It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and welcome to the Game World Cup podcast from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer. Who were the best performers at Glastonbury last night? The England women's football team, of course. Whether it was festival goers, the nation's teleaddicts, or even David Beckham in France, everyone watching was thrilled by a stunning 3-0 win over Norway in the last eight of the competition. Here to analyse the progression of Phil Neville's side to a World Cup semi-final, we're joined down the line by former England, West Ham and Chelsea defender Claire Rafferty. And also from France, we have from the Times and Sunday Times, Molly Hudson and Rebecca Myers. Despite having won all three group games and their last 16 match, there was a sense that England had yet to truly impress at this World Cup. That all changed last night. England took control from the off, scoring in the third minute with their fastest ever World Cup goal. That was through Jill Scott and delivered a vastly improved performance. Goals from Ellen White, now the tournament's joint top scorer, and a thunderbolt from the brilliant Lucy Bronze swept Norway aside. Claire, was this the performance we'd all been waiting for? I was somewhat relieved um, because I just know how how much potential the team has and, and to go ahead that early and to relieve that kind of pressure, I was over the moon with it. Mm. At stake was not just a semi-final place, but also an Olympic place for Team GB and record numbers were expected to watch the game on TV in the UK. Were you surprised, Rebecca, at how well they embraced the pressure? Yes and no, I think. I mean, yes in the sense that obviously to any ordinary person among us, it is, it's incredible that they're dealing with the pressure so well. But, but no in the sense that I think Phil has prepared them as best as they possibly could ever be prepared for this. And, and I think this is what they came here for. And you could see last night that this is what they wanted. These are the games that they want to be in. These are the, um, you know, the occasions they want to play, to play in. This is why they became footballers. So I think in that respect, um, you know, it was their time really. It was their time to shine. Matt Dickinson wrote in The Times, it's not often that you see a football team driven from fullback, but such as the influence and formidable excellence of Lucy Bronze, who struck a goal so powerful last night that it alone could have carried England into a World Cup semi-final. Just how impressive was her performance, Claire? Yeah, for me, it was um, it's, it's a perfect reaction to everyone saying that she's the you know one of the world's best players. Um, it's almost, you know, quieting your critics when you're able to actually replicate a situation and a goal that propelled her onto the scene in the first place. Um, and you can almost see the relief when she scored, actually. And she always carries herself with quite a lot of confidence. And um, and, and I just think I'm, I'm actually really quite happy for her because there's a lot of talk and a lot of expectation. And we see some people, some players buckle under that expectation, but she is totally risen to the occasion. Oh, she certainly has. And, and as you've said there, Phil Neville has said she should win the Ballon d'Or. Where would you put Lucy then in the list of the world's best players right now? Well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because as a defender, you're never really put in the same calibre as them attacking players who get the, the Ballon d'Or, the likes of Hedeberg and Marazan. But when you're able to score such important, pivotal goals on the biggest world stage, 
for me, that's enough to have that position. And you don't need to be, you know, top goal scorer, golden boot. It's about your influence on games and the way that she can carry the whole team. And as you were saying, Matt Dickinson said, led from defence. I think that, that for me is enough for her to be given a nod. She plays her football for Lyon in France. Rebecca, how do you think that has helped her development? I mean, hugely in, in, a, in a number of different ways. I think, pers- you know, first of all, playing on a team of that calibre, you know, she gets to play world-class football day, you know, day in, day out, week in, week out. You know, it, it is the next level. Um, I think also, though, interestingly, I get the sense, and, and it's slightly speculation, but I do get the sense that she's not as challenged at Lyon as maybe... Um, you would be playing for sort of a top UK club because they're so dominant and they're so, you know, they win the Champions League. They sort of don't have to try too hard for um, their trophies. I get the sense that when she comes back into the England setup, she brings that sort of craving for, for challenges and, and, and for winning, you know, into the England setup. So it's kind of working in both ways there. Molly, do you think it will help her playing the next round in that city where she plies her trade week in, week out? Definitely, I think she's been she's been talking about the the banter between the girls and at Lyon and how excited they are to actually play this game. And you know, there was always a good chance that England and France were going to you know play, or whether it's whether it's even the US that get through. I think it will help her. And you know, Lucy Bronze is an incredible player, and she's she's a player that that does plays her best on the biggest stage, and she's proven that in Champions League finals with Lyon. She's proven it, you know, in this tournament and in 2015. So I think. You know, I think she'll be really relishing the opportunity to go out and, you know, maybe prove prove what Phil said and prove that she is the best in the world and that she should be in contention for the Ballon d'Or. That strike that we witnessed, it was incredible, but perhaps would not have come as a shock to those who watch Lucy Bronze regularly, Rebecca. No, not at all. And, and um, she actually said in the press conference afterwards, she said, you know, people keep saying, oh, you know, did I surprise people four years ago? Well, I didn't surprise myself. Like, I knew I could play football like this. And people who followed the women's game for a while have always known that she's had this in her. Obviously, you don't you don't necessarily get to see that four years ago, three years ago, but um, I think there's always been something special about her. And, um, yeah, those who kind of know and love her have always been waiting for, for this moment, I suppose, just uh, to really show what she's made of. Do we think it's a contender for goal of the tournament, Claire? Yes, I do. And I think as we get to the latter stages, the business end, these goals are, are more and more pivotal. It's not just about the style of, you know, how it went and hit the back of the net. It's more in the pressurised game and when you're getting to a situation like last time around in the 2015 World Cup it was the match winner you know them goals are a lot more important and yeah she struck it very very well I was very surprised to see the Norwegians let her have that much space on the edge of the box considering what happened last time um, but yeah it was it was incredibly you know it, it got me out of my seat for sure and, and I know the whole nation was kind of jumping in the air with that and that was really the nail in the coffin for Norway and almost the uh, the thumbs up that, that the Lioness has needed from the nation. Yeah, and of course, Norway had had an earlier warning in the game as well, but they uh, gave her plenty of space. Uh, Molly, before the tournament, you put together a moving piece in the Times in which each player was given a message by a family member. Uh, Lucy Bronze's brother had some rather blunt words, you could say, of inspiration for her. Yeah, he certainly did. Um, and I think the, if I can say the words, was don't be shit. <laughs> and I think we can say that she hasn't been. Um, yeah. I think that's fair to say. Um, she's she's just she's just been so so impressive, and I think what what we found actually putting that story together it was it was a moving experience for us. You know, of course it was for their families as well. But these players have have gone through so much to get where they are, and you know, even even if there aren't some of the stories like Fran and Carly where they've they've all sort of broken through these barriers of 
of stereotypes of females and, you know, whether they should play football and all of that. And I think, you know, this is actually the biggest stage and, you know, this is the biggest World Cup, Women's World Cup there has ever been. And I think it's it's really lovely, particularly last night. I remember sitting in the press box and just hoping so much that, that England could do it and they could win because myself and Rebecca and we've got to know these players over the years and you, you just feel like they deserve that recognition that comes with going far in this tournament. And, you know, um, I'm sure Lucy will be a, a big part of that going forward. Yeah, she's been very commanding, Lucy Bronze, within the England side. She twice set up Ellen White, once for a fine strike that cannoned back off the post and then for that second goal. And White is now tied as top scorer on five goals alongside Alex Morgan of the USA and uh, Sam Kerr as well. Claire, just how impressed have you been with White? Um, for me, I'm not surprised at all. Um, I, I grew up training with her at Loughborough, used to live together. And the difference between Alex Morgan and Sam Kerr and Ellen White is the fact that Ellen White is scoring in every single game, more, more, more likely than the others. And, you know, Alex Morgan, she scored them five goals in, in one game. Yeah. So she's more consistent. She's got more to offer. She scores different types of goals. And she's really, really, you know, come into her own. And obviously, everyone's loving the celebration as well. Yeah, we certainly are. And Phil Neville, of course, likened her predatory instinct instinct to that of Van Nistelrooy, of Shearer, of Owen. That is high praise indeed, Molly. I think I think it's it's time she got that praise actually, because um obviously she's recently moved to Manchester City from Birmingham. She's just one of those players, as Claire said, you know, people that know her and have grown up with her and have spoken to her and watched her over the years. You expect this from her, and I think it's really nice that actually Phil has sort of made those comparisons, you know, I know a lot we talk about, you know, let's not make comparisons to the to the men's game and players in that game, but she she does have those qualities and she's absolutely world class and I'm you know, as much as Lucy's been an incredible player, you know, White has arguably been more so because without her we, we wouldn't have got the points on the board that we have. But I think she's she's so calm, she's such she's you know, she's a leader on the pitch without having Having to say anything, it's just her actions. Her actions lead from the front. She leads our attack, and she's just she's just absolutely class. Uh, Claire, did you believe she was always capable of of playing this sort of role, the sort of leader of England's attack? Then, yeah, and I, I think what Ellen's done, she has you know played her strengths, and as soon as Phil's come in, you know they've obviously had a sit down, they've had a conversation about what he wants from certain types of players, and she's moulded and, and changed her game to fit that. To fit that, sorry, um, and you know we all know that Jodie Taylor is very similar and can play off the back shoulder and is a goal poacher. But Ellen White seems to have kind of taken their attributes and tried to make make herself as best as possible. All of them added on top her, you know, superb work rate that she's always had and and her eye for goal. And I just think it, it's come, it's all come together at the right time for her. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Well, the dominant victory in Le Havre means that England will play either France, the hosts, or USA, the defending champions, next Tuesday in Lyon. As impressive as England were, Claire, they'll need to be even better to win that one, won't they? 
yeah, I mean, you know, USA and France, but it's going to be such a tough um, fixture. I, I've gone back and forward about who I think is going to win that one. Um, France obviously have some fantastic players, but the mentality we've let them down. USA have the opposite. You know, I think France have better technical players, but the USA's mentality always leads them through. Um, so England definitely do need to step up. Whoever whoever they face, they need to. You know, we did see a little bit of a lack of concentration from from Millie Bright at the back, and Seth Horton is really well to to kind of get her out of trouble. But we can't afford to be giving teams these opportunities to punish us. And, and you know, you know, when we get lacquer in the stages, it's going to be more and more potent these attacks that they offer. Yeah, there were, as you say, lapses of concentration. Steph Horton, though, put in one crucial tackle and, and cleared another chance on the line to keep Norway out in that second half. But, Rebecca, how much of a worry is it that teams are still able to get in behind the back four? Well, Emma Hayes said last night, we looked like we fell asleep in the second half for a bit of it. And, you know, that's OK. That's all right against a couple of teams lower down the rankings, but it's not going to be all right against the USA or France. And I, I am concerned about that and concerned that Phil's identified it you know, several matches ago and still nothing's really been done about it. Um, and it makes me nervous looking forward to the semi-final for sure. Well, Horton and Millie Bright were both doubtful before the game. Claire, did they look fully fit to you? I thought Steph looked absolutely fine. Actually, I think she had the, one of the best games of the tournament so far. Um, but I know Steph was, was an impact injury, so it's easier to kind of get your head round. Um, if Millie was as, as ill as, as was said, you could... I think it was quite obvious, especially in that second half. It looked like her energy levels dropped, her concentration levels dropped. And, you know, when you, you have had a virus, you know, you are fine up until a certain point, And then, you, need, you know, you, it, you pay the price because especially the heat, the concentration levels, it, they really do get affected. All of a sudden, you, you feel like you're, you know, treading in water trying to run. Um, and I think that that could be shown in the second half. I was surprised actually not to see him make a substitution um, at the mm. back, but he stuck with it and um, they kind of, they, they did ride that little bit of storm. But to me, I think moving forward, they'll be fine. Obviously, that was a bit of a tricky um, entrance into that last game. Um, but Steph, you know, she came out fine. Millie, in the end, was fine. She'd probably be quite exhausted in the end of it, but she overcame it. It is a back four that's largely been unchanged bar the left-back position. Demi Stokes got the nod last night. So do we expect her to start the semi-final, Rebecca? Yeah, I don't see why not at this stage. Um, I have to admit, when I saw her on the starting line, I wasn't overly convinced, but I think she did do a good job. Um, and, you know, hopefully the next match will do an even better job because she's had a bit more time on the pitch. I would suspect we're going to see less rotations than um, obviously we've seen so far, but I don't think we won't see any. Um, I think, I think you know, we'll keep going with that sort of slightly fresher squad, but I think Demi could be more of a fixture certainly going forward than she has been um, in, in the previous few games. Well, certainly Phil Neville is, is lucky to have the squad depth that he has. Uh, Claire, do you expect any changes? And if so, what would you do if you were uh, Phil Neville right now going into that semi-final? I think the back four will remain the same. And um, yeah, there'll be. I would be surprised to see any changes, actually. The only one I, I may see is maybe Jade Moore for Kira Walsh. Um, and that's probably just to offer a little bit more defensive stability. Um, you know, she just likes to, you know, she's really good at breaking the ball up. And and is quite proactive actually as well in in kind of helping out that back line, especially if there's a few tired legs back there. Other than that, I think he's going to stick with Frank Kirby. She does so much running off the ball, and that not that she doesn't really get praised for in in this formation. And and she is definitely sacrificed because we do have expectations of her to be up there, you know, a top goal scorer. But she's playing a different role, and and I think she's getting on with it quite quietly. Um, and yeah, and I think the rest works. I I understand the the 
the best versus Tony situation. But for me, Tony offers a little bit more physicality. So it'd be more likely to see Beth come off the bench rather than start. We were all pretty impressed by the performance of England, but Nikita Paris, of course, missed her second penalty in succession. It made no difference in the end to the result, England winning it 3-0, but is it a worry, Rebecca? In some ways, I mean, she certainly hasn't performed anything like she has in the first bit of that Scotland game, you know, many, many moves ago, it feels like anyway. Um, mm. Every game, she's, she hasn't quite seen herself, she hasn't quite seen as fast as she usually is, as, as sort of switched on as she usually is. And you slightly wonder whether the pressure is starting to get to her a little bit. She arrived, obviously, off the back of Leon signing. The, you know, the name on everyone's lips, everyone talking about how, how you know, much of a star she was going to be. I personally wonder sometimes if it's slightly matter her head a little bit. But in the mix zone last night, you know, she was asked by journalists about. I don't think she's worried. I think um, Phil said in the press conference last night, She'll just she'll take the next one. She's the best undertaker we have. She will take the next one, and that confidence coming from Kim is the most important thing that that anyone can give her right now. So I'm hoping going forward that she'll kind of overcome what's become sort of baby demon, I suppose, over the past few matches. So it seems as though the the, the squad are very confident in uh, Nikita Paris's abilities but obviously they do have talent within the squad we've talked about Ellen White there's Fran Kirby as well what about you Claire do you think they should start considering changing the penalty taker it's difficult because you do want to keep that you know that positive mentality but once you've missed two penalties it's not about you anymore it's about the team and if if there's a risk or you know a slight difference in mentality then I think someone else should take it you know, this could be the difference between winning and losing a World Cup. And and if you want to go out there just for your own self, and you know, the fact that I don't have any doubt that she'd probably step up and and, and score the next one she she took. But I don't think I'm willing to take the risk when it comes to winning a World Cup. I'd much prefer to see Steph Walter take the penalty. Given the the relative comfort of the two knockout wins, England haven't been to extra time. They haven't obviously, therefore, even been taken to penalties. Rebecca, is that a good thing or not? I think it has to be a good thing. Um, I think nobody wants to play 120 minutes if, if they can help it. Nobody wants um, kind of have that as a build-up for them, the bigger games that you need to be fresher for. So I think you can only see it as a good thing and, you know, great thing to be proud of for the team getting the job done in 90 minutes. Um, I suppose there is a slight argument to make that they've therefore got no experience of that moment when it comes to the, the next match. But I think they'll thrive under it. I think they'll enjoy it. And I think they're, you know, they obviously, as we've, as we've said before, they've they're brilliant under pressure and um, we are very simply they wouldn't be enough now. Now it seems likely that a new TV audience record was set for a women's game last night after almost 7 million watched that win over Cameroon. The game was also shown on a big screen at Glastonbury with Georgia Stanway's brother among those watching and David Beckham was in the stadium in Le Havre to give uh, Bronze's strike his nod of approval. Claire, how good is it to see the women's game given this sort of profile and exposure? It's nice to see that, you know, the whole nation is really getting involved and buying into the Lionesses and really getting emotionally attached to the team. And, yeah, it's, you know, it's amazing to see everyone's pure relation at, at the win. You saw the reaction at Glastonbury, you saw the numbers watching it on the BBC. There's, there's just, it's just really it's a relief to, to know that you have to stop proving yourselves. And now people can actually just join the journey rather than us fighting for them to join the journey. Last summer, we felt the nation get swept up by World Cup fever. Claire, how important is it for the women's game then? And, and, and how can they capitalise on it going forward? 
moving forward, it's a it's a tool that we need to continue to use. Um, I, I think we we need to see these kind of audiences trickle down into into league attendances. We want people buying uh, shirts. We want people coming to Lionesses games. Um, you know, when they're home, and equally, you know, that we're we're hosting the Euro, so we want this kind of party atmosphere and this jubilation and and this encouragement to really just continue. And how they do that. I, I'm not sure. I think England have to keep winning for them to do that. Rebecca, you write this morning that this England team have tapped into an audience few others have managed to reach. That's mums. How have they done that? I think it feels so important to me is that I think especially women of like my mother's generation and, and you know certainly women in their 80s now, football was not a space that was really open to them and the fan base of, of the traditional football fan base was not a sort of welcoming space for, for women traditionally so it just feels like this has opened up it's kind of cracked that open and opened up a whole new area for women to enjoy football and um, someone actually tweeted me back saying this summer I feel like I can enjoy football because I enjoy football not because someone thinks I'm trying to enjoy it for my boyfriend or enjoy it to impress a boy or enjoy it to fit in with the lads and I think that is that's quite a special thing to have done because women have traditionally I think been kind of co-opted into those narratives about how they enjoy football and that feels really really important to me. Well, that is it for now. Many thanks to our guests today, Claire Rafferty, Rebecca Myers and Molly Hudson. Remember, you can subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times to enjoy award-winning journalism online and on your smartphone or tablet. It is just a pound a week for an eight-week trial. Search The Times subscription for more information. We'll be back on Monday when we will know who England will face in the World Cup semi-finals. The game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk.